Good morning. Like it's already been mentioned, we are wrapping up our series on peace. So now that you all know how to create peace all around you, you can go for it. And Newburgh is just going to explode in peace. Wouldn't that be rad? <laughs> oh. That would be rad. Uh, oftentimes my sermons are fairly linear, but today it's more of a popcorn. So I want to encourage you that if the Holy Spirit nudges you, like if, if a scripture, a particular scripture or a thought kind of grabs you, Sit with it and, and ask the Holy Spirit to, to simmer that in you. So I want to encourage you that if the, if the Spirit so moves to ignore the rest of what I say and, and go ahead and go there. I know, uh, Louise Clemens used to need those permissions. She'd say, she was such a rule follower and I appreciate her so much. And um, I am also that way. So. Feel free to let the Holy Spirit take you where it wants to. I've appreciated our series, especially the emphasis of how our daily choices or faithfulness can bring about peace in our circles of influence. I'm going to remind us a little bit of where we've been. And maybe you can use this time as a prayer of examine and ask God to rise up takeaways for you. Nate started us off reminding that peace is a derivative, that peace flows out of following core commandments, such as loving God and loving neighbor, as well as doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. Peace is a byproduct of living a life that follows Christ. After that, I shared about Elizabeth Fry, who had incredible anxiety, even to the point of fainting spells, and yet she went down her street to Newgate Prison in London because she was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And this led her to revolutionize prison systems and the ways prisoners were treated. After that, we were gifted with uh, stories from Cuba from Colin and Janine Saxon from the recent trip and their peacemaking efforts in Cuba. And the way that Cuban pastors are making sure folks have safe water to drink and helping others in their local communities. Nate then shared about the ways our cultural lenses have and can distort faithfulness. He shared about early, an early friend, William Hobson, that settled in this area and the phrase and practice of manifest destiny. Cole then followed up bragging about how he had achieved inner peace and was going to teach us how to do that. Or rather not, but encouraged us to look inward. That our inward health and centeredness on Christ is reflected in our actions. And finally, last week, Nate encouraged us in our steady, small acts of faithfulness which lead to peace. He gave us time to think of people around us that model this. People like Mary Kyle and the fella in Kansas that gave him his first guitar. 
These folks probably won't be found in history books, but they make a big impact towards peace around them. So what can I say about peace that hasn't already been said? In some ways, we've said a lot, in others, we've barely scratched the surface. We could spend years talking about peace. It's one of the reasons why we take every January, February-ish to, to focus on peace. So here are some thoughts to wrap up. In my first marriage, a marriage therapist gave us this book by Ken Sandy to read, The Peacemaker. The book is helpful, even if it didn't save my first marriage. So clearly I have this peacemaking thing nailed down. Regardless, the book has some very helpful thoughts and I'll be referencing excerpts from it. Throughout scripture, we see God referenced as the God of peace. For example, Romans 15, 33, now the God of peace be with you all, amen. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What does it mean that God is referred to as the God of peace? I mean, sometimes when I read the Old Testament, I do not see a God of peace. But that's a totally other sermon. We're not going to touch it. <laughs> But I think this reference shows us the character of God. That God desires shalom, God desires right relationship, both with God and with others. Which again reminds us of the greatest single commandment, Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second is like it. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, it feels like maybe we've said this a lot, but this is the core of peace. If we're to hold or remember anything from scripture, I think it's this. Love God, love others. Period. So many other aspects of right relationship flow out of this commandment. Nearly all the New Testament epistles begin or end with a prayer for peace. In Luke 1.79, God sent his beloved son to guide our feet into the path of peace. I think it's impossible to know internal, genuine peace unless you also pursue peace with God and others. I think it's impossible. And if you want to experience internal peace, you must be reconciled to God by trusting Jesus and seeking harmonious relationship with those around you. And throughout scripture, peace is often used interchangeably or described as unity. Psalm 133, one. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head 
running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. I just get this image, like that, that description that it's so special, so sacred. Which is why I think we need to be careful with it, to hold it tenderly. That we need to intentionally seek peace and unity with those around us. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it was on Jesus' mind right before the cross. In the book of John, during Jesus' final hours on earth, he prayed that his followers would get along with one another. After the Lord's Supper in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And friends, this is one of the things that concerns me most about Peace Trail Village and how we proceed. Our community of Newburgh is watching watching how we um, walk the path of peace or not, watching how we treat our neighbors, how we respond to the concern and negativity about transitional housing. Do folks in Newburgh know that we are disciples of Jesus by the way we're loving others? It's not to say we don't speak the truth in love, that we don't continue to stand up for righteousness and justice. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, reminds us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And unity is not uniformity, nor is it accepting the abuse or dehumanization of others. There have been times throughout history that some of these passages of unity have been abuse. Are we speaking the truth in love? A difficult lesson for me to learn in adulthood has been that you cannot control the actions of others, I can only control my own. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> How do we respond then to injustice? How do we respond to others when our emotions are bursting forth and clearly they're wrong, those people are wrong and they're mean. I don't like it, but we're given to practice, we're given opportunities every day to practice peacemaking. It starts at home, in our families, in our jobs, at our schools, within ourselves. And I think sometimes it's the hardest place to practice because of the constancy of it. It's every day. We're given opportunities every day. And yet, what if we woke up every day with the reminder that folks are going to know I'm a disciple of Jesus by the way I practice peace today. Let's go. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Again, that's an extension of the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. I, like you, am so heavy with the division in our community. I, like you, continue to grieve the split in our churches in Northwest Yearly Meeting. I don't believe it was God-ordained. And I feel responsible. I feel like, as a part of a Quaker pastor in that denomination, I feel responsible. So what does it mean, as far as it goes with me, live at peace with everyone? Well, a month ago, I had a clear leading from the Holy Spirit to reach out to all the friends, pastors in the area, all of them, all of the pastors serving right now. It was like really clear. So I reached out to Paul Almquist and asked if he'd host a lunch with me for all the friends, pastors. And being the saint and peacemaker that Paul is, he readily agreed. And I sent an email to all the folks serving in Friends Churches in the area, from, from Tiger to Neatarts. And there were 17 people on that list. Within five minutes, somebody replied, I'll be there. I was like, oh, wow, okay. I had no idea what would happen, whether they'd be receptive or not. But at last count, 14 of the 17 have said, I'll be there. I'm praising God for that. And I also know fellowshipping, fellowshipping and eating lunch isn't going to heal all the wounds. I know that. But maybe it's one tiny, tiny baby step. And it's at least something I had in my realm to try and make peace with people around me. Psalm 139, it reminds me like, see if any offensive way, see if there's any offensive way in me, God. Because I wanna be right with you. I think that's a scary, scary prayer. I'm going to wrap up with uh, a long quote from Mother Teresa about peace because she knew a lot more about it than I do. So allow yourself to get comfortable and let's hear from Mother Teresa. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace. Let us not use bombs and guns to overcome the world. Let us use love and compassion. Peace begins with a smile. Smile five times a day at someone you don't really want to smile at. Do it for peace. Let us radiate the peace of God and so light his, and live his light and extinguish the world and in the hearts of men all hatred and love for power. Today, if we have no peace, 
It is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. That man, that woman, that child is my brother or my sister. If everyone could see the image of God in his neighbor, do you think we would still need tanks and generals? Peace and war begin at home. If we truly want peace in the world, let us begin by loving one another in our own families. If we want to spread joy, we need for every family to have joy. Today, nations put too much effort and money into defending their borders. They know very little about the poverty and the suffering that exists in the countries where those bordering on destitution live. If they would only defend these defenseless people with food, shelter, and clothing, I think the world would be a happier place. The poor must know that we love them, that they are wanted. They themselves have nothing to give but love. We are concerned with how to get this message of love and compassion across. We are trying to bring peace to the world through our work, but the work is the gift of God. Let's go into a time of waiting worship. There's a query on the screen, if it's helpful. As far as it depends on you, friends, are you living at peace with everyone? <laughs> 